Star Wars 7x7 episode 2299. Today, the second half of my email interview with Daniel Wallace, the author of Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So again, just to give you the rundown and the scoop, Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection is a comprehensive visual guide exploring the iconic and legendary lightsabers found within the Star Wars galaxy featuring fan favorite hilts from the Skywalker Saga, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, comics, novels, and video games. And as for the author himself, Daniel Wallace is the author or co-author of more than 50 books, including The Jedi Path, Ghostbusters, The Ultimate Visual History, The World According to Spider-Man, Warcraft Behind the Dark Portal, and the New York Times bestselling Star Wars, The New Essential Guide to Characters. His specialty is exploring the underpinnings of popular fictional universes. And it was very nice for the folks at Inside Editions to take my questions and send them along to Daniel, and Daniel was very prompt with his replies as well, and Insight was very prompt in kicking them back. It was like bang, bang. It was very cool and very thorough answers. Really awesome. I'm very grateful to Daniel and the folks at Inside Editions for getting us all together and making this possible. Very cool. So yesterday, of course, the first three questions that I had sent via email for this interview. And today, here are the other questions and the answers that Daniel sent back. So question four <laughs> is your entries for each of the lightsabers we've designed in tech with backstory, actor quotes, and behind the scenes anecdotes. Is that how you initially set out to write the entries? Or did that approach develop over time as you worked through successive lightsabers and characters? And so here was Daniel's response. With the book's laser-like focus on lightsabers and nothing else, it didn't seem sufficiently comprehensive if we focused only on Jedi lore or only on prop master anecdotes. The Harry Potter wand collection took a similar approach in mixing wizard history with filmmaking reality, and I found that that style really suited this project. Some entries lean more toward one than the other, but overall I feel it strikes a good balance. And you can see that even with the ones that have been released as preview spreads online, StarWars.com had a series of them, I think four of them if I remember correctly, that they previewed and you can also see them on like Amazon for example. And then there's also the High Republic one which was released as a separate little surprise thing which we'll get to in a moment. It comes with the fifth question that I asked him which is this. As part of the project you had the opportunity to view and describe a lightsaber that Star Wars fans have never seen before. Can you tell us about the inclusion of Stellan Geos' lightsaber and getting to work on an aspect of this new era in storytelling, in Star Wars storytelling, The High Republic? And so briefly, if you're not aware, Stellan Geos is one of the new Star Wars characters that's being introduced for The High Republic, and his lightsaber has this crazy crossguard business, which we'll talk about here with his answer. And so here's what Daniel had to say about that. He said, The one thing that's so fascinating to me about the High Republic lightsaber 
and the other quote-unquote ancient lightsabers included in this book is how much more they rely on ornamentation and ceremony. A lot of the Clone Wars era saber hilts are pretty utilitarian, but if you go back centuries or millennia, you see sabers that seemingly exist to attest to the status of their owners. It reminded me of viewing a museum of historical armaments where the average foot soldier's short sword isn't anything special, but the Emperor carries one with an etched blade and a hilt inlaid with gold and platinum. There's a sense of that in the High Republic and in earlier eras as well. And I have to say, I find that particular point fascinating because it kind of dovetails into something I've been wondering about with the High Republic, and I will talk about that later on the episode. But I want to share with you the last question that I asked him in this email interview, which was, if you were to make your own lightsaber, which one of these in the book is the closest to the kind you would make for yourself and why? And I'll tell you why I asked it that way. It was a couple of things going on in my brain. First of all, it seemed like pretty straightforward just saying, you know, what's your favorite lightsaber and why? Like, you know, that felt like a very first level question. And so I thought, all right, well, let's see how I could ask it differently. And I was also concerned about the possibility of asking that question and it turning out that his favorite lightsaber actually wasn't in the book and I thought that might be a little awkward. And I was thinking about Galaxy's Edge as well at you know Disneyland and Walt Disney World and how you get the opportunity to build your own lightsaber in Savvy and Son. And so, you know, inspired by knowing that that concept exists and that, you know, we're getting around to the whole customization of things, I thought that might be a more interesting way of essentially asking the question about, you know, what he really likes in lightsabers. And so asking which one is closest to the kind that he would make and why, here's his response. He says, my fave lightsaber has always been Luke's design from Return of the Jedi. Not just the green blade, but the way the hilt is a stacked collection of components ending in a skinny neck and a wide emitter ring. It's charmingly clunky, yet somehow elegant in its use of negative space. I'd shamelessly crib from that if I had the chance to build my own lightsaber, and hopefully no Star Wars fan would hold it against me. And I'm pretty confident that no Star Wars fan would hold it against him. That is a quality lightsaber. And yeah, to even think of it from a you know design standpoint like that, the negative space thing, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talking about negative space within a lightsaber design. So that's fascinating and very cool. So that is the email interview with Daniel Wallace, the author of Star Wars, The Lightsaber Collection. And again, my great thanks to Daniel for taking the time to answer the questions and for Insight Editions to helping make that possible. Now, before I talk about the High Republic thing that his answer got me thinking about again, I do just want to give a quick reminder, if you wouldn't mind and if you haven't done it yet, to please rate or review the podcast on iTunes. If you enjoy it and you're listening on iTunes and you haven't yet done it, Please give it that five-star rating. Please give it a couple of sentence review if you have a moment to spare and think about what you like about the show and you know why you think other people should listen to it because when people are searching for it, it helps people find it when they're looking for a daily dose of Star Wars joy. So thank you again for putting up with me asking for the favor all month long and thank you so much for your support of the show. Now, the thing about Daniel's answer about the lightsabers of the High Republic era being you know very ostentatious and sort of emblematic of status versus the Clone Wars era utilitarian types of lightsabers makes me wonder what is going to happen as a result of this whole High Republic storyline once, you know, it all 
goes through. I mean, what's going to happen to the Jedi Order to get them from the High Republic sort of ostentatious Gilded Age thing, as it's been described, to the Clone Wars era where it's much more utilitarian by comparison? It does suggest that maybe the High Republic story doesn't end happily. And, you know, at least in terms of the level of status that the Jedi have in the galaxy, it seems like going from this ostentatious to this more you know, ascetic, utilitarian situation seems like it brings them down in terms of their level of power and status and influence in the galaxy. And that may be something that we might want to investigate a little bit further, but that seems, you know, with Daniel's answer to kind of reinforce that potential notion or at least sort of draw the connections to that possibility a little more clearly. So I'll let you stew over the possibilities of that and if you want to opine on it then by all means chime in either on Facebook or YouTube or on Twitter or at home base for the show at sw7x7.com. And that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.